Man, at all of our locations right now, can we just give it up for our worship teams? Don't they do an amazing job from Ashland, Grayson, and here at our Moray campus? If you're a guest today, we are one church in three locations. We have one in Ashland and in Grayson, and God is doing some amazing things right here in our regions. It's just unbelievable to see what God's doing, and just to be here to be part of that, man, it's just so, so, so good. Hey, real quick, moms, last week, if you missed Mother's Day and you were traveling and couldn't be here, we had some incredible godly women up here sharing from motherhood some things in our life and speaking. So if you're a mom and you missed it, please, please go and, and watch that because the moms really spoke a lot of wisdom uh, into our lives, all of our lives, but it was so, so good. So I wanna encourage you to go back and check that out. Well, in the month of May, we decided not to do really a series. We decided to go back and pull out some old sermons from back in the day. We talked about going to the scrapbook, pulling some, some of them out, or going back to the vault, dusting it off a little bit, and bringing it back today. In the first week, I preached a message all the way back from 2008 that I shared when we first launched Better Life Church. And today, I, I'm gonna go all the way back to 2010. So, I'm not here to embarrass you nothing at all of our locations, but if you were part of Better Life Church in 2010, could you just raise your hand real quick? I just want to see your hands up. Man, yeah, thank y'all for saying that. My boys right there. Like, thank y'all for hanging out. Keep coming. I'm saying, and uh, we're really, really excited. So we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bible, go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm using New Lemon Translation. And if you don't have Bibles, no big deal. Grab your phone, get the Bible app. We're going to walk through this together. Now, how many of you, when you were a little kid, that you liked to race? Did you like to get in a race, right? Come on, any type of race. Just raise your hand. Or maybe race your bike. You want a track race. You want to race something. Because right, as kids, we're all competitive. I never forget when I was in grade school. And when I was in grade school, it was K through 8. So all kindergarten through 8th with all in one building and different parts of the building. And all the way, all the way through grade school, there's this girl. And man, this girl, she was so fast. She was lightning fast. And like all the times the boys would go out and was like, okay, we're gonna race, because that's what boys do, right? We're gonna race. And we're gonna say, who's the fastest, right? So who has bragging rights? Who's the fastest of all the guys? I don't know, even second grade, you're trying to, you know, win the race. And so, and so I'll never forget, we'd always race and always race. So now it's our eighth grade year. It's about the end of the year. We're about to, you know, get ready, graduate eighth grade, then have the summer, go off to high school, and all the guys out there talking smack again, you know, playing, hey, man, let's race one more time like good old days. And sure enough, here she comes up to the line. And I was like, man, this is it. And I was pretty fast. I thought, man, this is it. I, I, this is time. You're going to redeem yourself. You've been waiting. You've been trying for eight years now to beat this girl. And so here it goes. And we're all lined up, and all the guys are lined up, and then they said, go. And man, we took off running. And before we could even think, she was already crossing the finish line. Like this chick was so, so fast. And like, man, she, she's just super, super fast, right? And because it's this competitiveness in us. I mean, like, if you play cards with my wife, you better watch out. Like, she's extremely, extremely competitive. And so there's something within us like to run to be competitive. You know, I'm just reminded, <laughs> this is funny, I was just reminded, uh, uh, my mom, she just had a knee replacement surgery here in, a few weeks ago. And Dr. Krause, he's one of my great friends. He did the surgery, and I'm on the phone with him. I say, Doc, listen, I need some help here. I said, so my mom's had knee replacement surgery. My dad's had knee replacement surgery. Is it coming to me, man? I need to know this. Is it heredity? Is it coming my way? Because my left knee is already bothering me some. Like, we need to, I need to prepare for this mentally, emotionally. Like, is it coming? And he's like, well, listen, the female knee is made a certain way. The male's knee made a certain way, and it depends on how much, you know, energy and effort you put on it. And so you, just because your parents had knee replacement surgery doesn't mean you're gonna have to have it. I'm like, okay, cool. 
cool. So mom just gets out, you know, she's in recovery and I finally got her on the phone and she's talking out of her head, which she kind of does normally, but that's another whole story. I love you, mom. But anyway, and, and she, she's on the phone. She goes, well, call my sister. So I call both my aunts and I get my baby sister on the phone. So all of us on the, on the phone, we're having a conference call with mom. She's sitting there, you know, just getting in, she's just coming out of recovery and they're saying, so what did the doctor say? So I'm telling them all what the doctor said. I said, well, the doctor said, so it's because this is a normal wear and tear and how the female knee was made and stuff and what he was wanting you to know, you know, it's not like you did strenuous exercises or you, you ran a lot and that was the cause of it. And mom said on her medicine, she said, well, I did run track in fourth grade. And I think that's what's really has caused the problem. And I'm, and I'm just losing it, man. And so I'm dying laughing. My sister and my aunts are dying laughing. So for the next 45-minute conversation, I just kept saying, Mom, you think it was that track that you ran in fourth grade? I think it was the fourth grade track me. I think that's what made my knee go out and stuff. And so it's, when you're on medicine, of course, you have fun times with that. But anyway, but the, the, but the reality is there's something within us, right, that we want to compete or we want to race and we, we want to run. And so, but what about the race of life? Like, how do we run and finish well when it comes to the race? of life because here's the reality of it. We're all gonna mess up. We're all gonna make mistakes. We're all gonna get injured on the way. So how do we make sure that we cross the finish line, right, in, in this, this race of faith that we run? And so today as we're gonna look at Hebrews chapter 12, we're gonna, we're gonna walk through this together of running this great, great race. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, we have to set the context up for this. There's a, the, if you think about the Hall of Fame, like you've, you've heard of Hall of Fame before. If you think about the Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11 is like the Hall of Fame of faith. It's got godly men, godly women who did great, great things to the Bible. It's like all this, this list. Like, for give example, this is not a trick question. When you hear the word of Noah in the Bible, what comes to your mind? Ark, good, one person, also great. You pay attention to Sunday school, right? Oh, so ark, right? So, so there's an ark, and then God used him greatly, right? What about Moses? When you hear Moses, you think of... Ten Commandments or the Red Sea or walk like an Egyptian, right? When he delivered on all the plagues came out of Egypt. So you hear these great men and women in the Bible, you think of all the great things that they had in common, but they all had something else in common. See, when you read through the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, you start reading some of these names. I don't think a lot of times we really pay attention who's actually listed there. For instance, Noah. Yeah, he built an ark, but right after that, he got drunk and defiled himself. And he's in the hall of fame of faith. And then you keep reading, you got Abraham, like Father Abraham, who God says, the nation of Israel will be birthed through you. You would be the father of Israel. Like you'll be the father of this national, this, 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 this movement that I'm gonna make. And all the Jews are gonna flow from you, Abraham. I'm gonna build my covenant upon you. But Abraham didn't trust God and he lied about his wife being his sister so that no one would mess with her because he didn't trust that God could take care of it. So he lied. And he's right here in the Hall of Fame. Then you got Sarah, who her womb was closed, and, and she's in her old age, and she heard the, the man of God talk about the angel of the Lord, like, hey, you know what? Sarah's womb's gonna be open, she's gonna have a baby, and she laughs at God and doubts that God can do that. And here she is doubting God, but she's listed here in the Hall of Fame. And then you have Jacob, who deceived his, his, his father, who lied and said that he was his brother Esau, just to steal his, his blessing, his generational blessing from him. And then you have Moses, who, yes, did all these great things in the Ten Commandments, but Moses murdered an Egyptian, buried him in the sand, and ran for his life. And then you have Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. 
And here she prostituted herself out, and somehow she makes her way right here, and with Noah, and Sarah, and Abraham, and, and, and Moses, and right here is Rahab in the Hall of Fame of Faith. She makes it to the Hall of Fame of Faith. She's here. And then you had Gideon, we talked about two weeks ago, who was hot and scared to death in the wine press. Samson, who had real long hair, and he was real strong, and, but he, he flirted with his pride, and he had all this pride built up within him, yet we find him in the Hall of Fame of Faith. And then David who committed adultery, who lied, premeditated murder. And here he is in the hall of fame of faith. And then there's all kinds of people, the Bible don't list in Hebrews 11. He said, there's some people, and it goes on, it has no names. They were beaten, they were stoned to death, they were sawed in two, they were in prison, and they were killed with the sword. And you know what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 38, right in that same chapter, after listed all these great men and women that we know all their success and all their failures, you know what it says in verse 38? That the world was not worthy of them. Like they were too good for this world. And you know what's so remarkable about these people is that these people had the same thing in common with us. One, they all made mistakes. All of them made mistakes. But then guess what? They all finished by faith. And the reality is you can too. Here's the thing. All of us have made mistakes, every single one of us. But we all can finish the race, no matter where we started, but we can finish the race by faith. And it's with that we pick up here in Hebrews chapter 12. We're gonna start with verse one. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, let's go. Verse one says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, of or huge crowds of witnesses to this life of faith. I'm gonna stop right there. For Bible students out here real quick, if you read your Bible, study your Bible, when you see the word therefore, you should stop and ask the question, why is it therefore? That's the easy way to read. why is it therefore? Therefore is the, all happened in Hebrews chapter 11. All the great men and women of God listed in the Hebrew, I mean, in the Hall of Fame of Faith, all these great men and women. Therefore, since all of them made mistakes, but they all finished by faith, therefore, we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses, or a great crowd of witnesses. There's a picture if you're standing here, and fog or a cloud completely encompasses you. This goes completely around you. And the same way, we are surrounded by all these great godly men and women of God who God used greatly that's all around us and they finished well. How did they do it? Well, he goes on and he says in verse one. So here's what we do. If we wanna run this race of faith, we wanna finish well, we wanna be like the crowd of witnesses in Hebrews 11, here's what we gotta do. He says this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I got it and I must remove all distractions. I need to get rid of all distractions in my life if I'm gonna run the race that God has set out for me. I need to get rid of all the weight in my life and run this. This is basic because it, it, today, obviously, runners today, they're gonna find the, the lightest shoe they can wear. They're gonna wear tight clothes, nothing that gets caught in the wind to hold them back. And, the, and this time, most of them ran with almost with nothing on because they didn't want nothing to hold them back. So imagine if I told you I'm heading down to Nashville, I'm gonna run the Country Museum Marathon, and so I'm gonna go, and I said I'm ready to go, and I get to the start line, and this is what I have on. Now, what would you think? 
One, you look kind of crazy, right, first of all, and security, come and talk to him, right? Like, like really, like what would, you, what would you say? I say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna run the race. I've been praying about going to Nashville, run the city marathon race, and I'm ready to go, oh, you know, this. I think I can go to distance, and I got my outfit on, and I'm ready, I got my number on my back of my coat, and I said, I'm gonna go run this race. What would you say to me? Pastor, something wrong, man. Like, what'd you have for breakfast? Something ain't right. Like, you don't run in jeans. You definitely don't run a coat on. But in the same way, watch this, we do this through life. We put all this stuff on us, all the stuff that weighs us down, all the distractions. Now, I want you to hear me. This is not sin stuff. This is stuff that we allow to creep in our life that's actually probably some of it's pretty good, but it's keeping us from being the best. And we have all these things in our life. Like, think about the things that would distract you. If, if, there's th- if you're too busy to take time out of your life to spend time in God's word every single day, you have a weight on you. You have distraction in your life. If you're too busy to, to forsake the assembly and not fellowship with the family of God and to rejoice with the family and worship with the family of God, then you are too distracted. You've got things going on in your life. And they may not be bad things. I have four kids. And all the kids, everyone wants to play tennis, one wants to do soccer, one wants to do dance, one wants to do archery. We got all these things. But we have limited. We are not going to stretch ourselves all We're going to say, listen, you get to do one thing, and we'll hopefully we get to do the kids do all the same thing so the oldest one can take them all. Hallelujah. You know, that works really good, right? And so we're going to figure this out so that we're not going to be so distracted that we miss having community with people, that we miss being everything that God wants us to be. But here's the reality. Most of us go through life with all this distraction, with all this weight on us, and we're wondering why we're tired. We're wondering why we're not gonna make it. We wonder why we just can't get there. And listen, you know how people have a to-do list? You need to make a stop to-do list. What are some things I'm going to stop doing? And if you're thinking, I am too busy. Now listen, let me give you an example. If you are binge watching five hours a day of Netflix or something, that's a distraction. It's not that it's a bad thing. I'm not saying, that's not even a sin issue. That is something, because here's what happened. Well, I just don't have time to go to church, and I don't have time to read my Bible, and man, I just gotta find some time, man. I'm like, what? Like, I talked to a kid the other day, he's like, like 10 years old. I was like, how's it going? He goes, man, I'm just busy. You're 10 years old. Like, how are you busy, bro? Like, what are you doing, busy? Get out and play. Get outside and play. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just busy. See, but we, our culture's done that. Listen, here's about it. We're all busy and we're all distracted, and we're all missing good things, and we have things that's like, wait. In fact, literally what the author of Hebrews is saying, he says, strip these things off. Your translation might say, lay it aside. It's a picture of you taking clothes off or something here in you, and you're gonna lay it aside and say, you know what? I'm not gonna let it hold me back to run the race. I'm gonna get rid of everything I can so that I can finish well. And here's the reality. Most of us were so distracted with things of this world and we're wondering why isn't God coming through? We're wondering why we're so burnt out or worn out, which are, those are two different things. Burnt out and worn out, those are two different things. And we're wondering what's holding us back. I really believe that the Lord brought you here today to help you to go home and say, listen, we gotta cut out some things in our life. They're good things. They're not sin things, but it's keeping us from the best thing. Fellowshipping with God's people, serving in our community, being able to spend time with God daily. If those things are keeping you from doing the things that God wants us to do according to his scripture and you're too distracted, listen, here's what the author of Hebrews says. You need to lay it aside. You need to get rid of it. You need to put it down away from you so that when you run the race, nothing will hold you back from being everything that God wants you to be. Here's a good way to, these are activities, watch this, that are wasting your energy. What activities are you doing in your life that's wasting? Wasting your time with your kids, wasting your time with your church family, 
Wasting your time would be in everything that God wants you to do. Now, I don't know what that is for you, but I'm gonna hope that the Holy Spirit sometime today is gonna reveal that to you so that you could go home and say, you know what, we're, we're, just, we're too busy. We're gonna say no to this, say no to this, we'll say no to this, and say no to this, and we're gonna stop this, we're gonna do this. Why? So we can do everything and be everything that God wants us to be. Watch this, I'm gonna lay it aside. Here's the second thing, Hebrews 12, one says, we need to lay aside, watch this, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So the weight is not sin. The things that distract us, that's not the sin issue, but the sin that holds you back, that keeps you. So here's the second point if you're taking notes. You need to eliminate the sin that keeps tripping me up. Write that down, eliminate the sin that keeps tripping me up. Now imagine, I brought my ASICs running shoes here. I don't uh, you know, make anything from ASICs to endorse them, but they can if they want to, we can work that out. But I've got my ASICs running shoes, and I tied them together for a reason, I want you. Could you imagine if I said, you know what, I'm gonna go run this marathon, and I'm gonna put these shoes on, but I'm gonna keep them tied and laced up together like this. Like, don't take pictures right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm gonna keep them tied up. Now what would you say if I'm on the start line, I say, hey, I'm gonna go run this race, and you go, hey, Pastor Daniel, um, and I'm not a, a runner, but I have Googled it a little bit, and I saw on YouTube, bro, that um, you need to have better proper shoe tying issues going on. Like, you're not gonna make it far, right? You're not gonna make it far. And listen, we wonder why we keep tripping ourselves up. Watch this, it's because of the sin. Now, I, I'm a firm believer that when it comes to God's word in its original form, in its original language, God has exactly what he has and what he says and what's in there, and he means it. And the author of Hebrew puts this little definite article right before the word sin. He didn't say get rid of the sins. Sins, watch this, the sin. What is the sin that keeps you tripped up all the time? You already know what it is. It's the one you said, God, it's me again. I tried it again, I looked at it again, I smoked it again, I drank it again, I thought of it again, I said it again. It's the same one that you keep saying over and over and over, the one that trips you up. You already know what that is. What is the sin? The one that it's habitual. It could be habitual of, of a temper, it could be habitual of being impatient all the time, it could be habitual of worrying and anxious all the time. What is the sin? It could be you gossiping behind people's back all the time, which is a sin, by the way. What is the sin? See, when you think of like the sin, you might think of like big, you know, these crazy audacious sins. You're like, well, I don't do that. No, I don't do those things. But what is the sin? And you know what the crazy thing is? Most of us, don't, hold on a second, let me get over here. Most of us, we, we, we are so distracted with things and weights in our life and we're trying to run this race with distractions and the sin that we've not dealt with. And you're wondering why you keep tripping. And what happens is you're gonna fall down. You're going, I can't run this race. I'm tired of it. I can't live the Christian life. I can't be good enough. I can't do this right. I'm always being upset with my kids or yelling at my wife. I'm always looking at this thing on the internet or whatever that may be for you. And you go, I cannot get past this. And then you just quit. And you give up. And the author of Hebrews says, listen, remember all the people in the Hall of Fame of Faith? They blew it. They made mistakes. They learned from it, but they finished by faith. Why? Because I'm gonna tell you why, and he tells us. You need to lay aside all that distraction. You need to lay it aside. You need to cut, and you need to get rid 
of the distractions that keeps tripping you up, the sin that keeps tripping you up that causes you to fall. And listen, most of us are going through life with the sin and we're wondering why we just keep falling. And he goes, you gotta eliminate it. You gotta get rid of the sin. Now, how do you do that? Listen, you need to, the sin that you struggle with the most is the one you need to go at. You need to go after it. This is not a salvation thing that you're not, you're not saved. You're saved through grace by faith you put in the Lord Jesus. But that sin, because here's the reality, you're gonna continue to blow up for the rest of your life. Now, I believe this with him. You're never gonna get to the point in your life here on earth where you're sinless. Some of you think you are. That's called pride and you just sin, okay? Seriously. You'll never get to the point in your life where you're sinless. But watch this. You can get to the point in your life where you begin to sin less because you remove the distractions and I'm gonna show you what you, you've kept around and you move this and you figure out how to get past the sin. You're still gonna blow it. This is life, it's gonna come. Until Jesus takes us home, you will never ever be per perfect until he comes. But I could get to the point where I begin to sin less because I, I see the distractions, I see the enemy's tactics, I'm walking in the spirit, I, I'm growing and maturing my faith and I'm easy to say no and catch and stop before I give in to temptation. But you'll never be sinless. So what is the sin that you need to go do, do business with? And if whatever's holding you back, and watch this, listen, the one that you can't get over by yourself, that's why you need a church family. That's why you need people in your life that says, listen, you gotta hold me accountable. We gotta look. I had two pastor friends and they said, you know what, we're, we're gonna knock porn out of our life. This is when they started in their ministry. And they said, here's what we're gonna do. If one of us looks at porn, we have to pay each other $1,000 in cash and you have to go tell your wife why you just emptied the checking account and gave me $1,000. We're gonna get rid of this in our life and we're not gonna let this temptation overcome us or take us. And you know what? They made a pack and a bet with each other so we're gonna make sure this don't happen. We want accountability so the sin don't trip us up. If you really wanna get over the sin, you gotta get vulnerable. A secret exposed has no power over you. And you just say, I need help with this. You're gonna hold me accountable. You're gonna ask me the hard questions. And with your accountability and, and walking with Jesus, we are gonna get through this again because I'm not gonna let the sin trip me up anymore. How bad do you wanna get rid of it? You need to get people in your life that's gonna love you and help you walk through the sin. He goes on and says in verse one, so what we're gonna do is that we're gonna let us run with endurance the race that God has set out before us. Here's my third point. I'm gonna continue running even when I wanna quit. Even when I wanna quit, I'm gonna keep running. Even when I wanna stop, even when I wanna give up, I'm going to keep running. I'm gonna run with perseverance. I'm gonna run with endurance. I'm gonna keep on, when I run the throw the towel in, I'm not gonna stop, I'm gonna keep running the race. Now, one of the reasons why I chose to preach this is because in 2010, when I preached this the first time, was the worst year of my entire life. I started the year and I had a full-blown panic attack and anxiety attack and I never knew what that was. I never experienced it before and it made me panic more. I did everything that I was told you to do. I pray, I fasted, I repent, I went to counseling. I did everything, I read my Bible. I did everything that I knew to make it go away and it would not go away. And for months and months and months, I struggled with panic attacks, panic attacks, anxiety, anxiety, so I this, and I finally went in the June of 2010, I pulled my wife out of the kids' ministry when we were down at the conference center and been between services, and I looked at her and I said, if this doesn't go away, I have to quit because it's physically going to kill me. I am going to die. 
I didn't know what was wrong. I did everything I knew what to do, and I couldn't shake it. I'm preparing for July. I'm reading through the scriptures. I'm reading. I come, I come to Hebrews chapter 12. And I begin to read how these people ran the race. They made mistakes, but they finished by faith. They kept the faith. They ran with endurance. They ran the, the lane and the, and the path that was marked out for them, and, and, and they finished well. And I made a decision. You gotta understand up to that point, I'm praying, I'm reading, I don't feel God, I don't sense God, I can't hear from God, but I keep preaching, I keep praying, I keep reading, I keep doing what I just knew to do, which made me panic more because I didn't sense him. When you're communicating God's word on behalf to his people and you don't hear from God, sense God, or feel God, that will make you panic. So I started doubting and all these things came to my mind, but I just kept on doing I came to Hebrews chapter 12 and I made the decision, I'm gonna finish my way. Even if I die, I will run the race that you have mapped out for me. A year later, I'm in Colorado, sitting there in a counselor's office sitting on the foot of the Rocky Mountains. I had a friend that paid for me to go, to go and said, I want you to spend a week in Colorado with this counselor. The Colorado, the guy said, tell me a little bit what's going on in your life. I told him about my pain attacks, told me everything was going on. And at this, by this time, I'm on recovery mode. At by this time, God re revealed to me where my anxiety was coming from, how to deal with it, and how to move on past it. So I'm in recovery mode. I'm on my way back up at this point. And I shared my story with him and I shared how I got to Hebrews chapter 12 and I told my wife I was gonna quit in June, but in July 2010 when I preached this message, I said, I'm gonna run my race, I'm not gonna quit, I'm not gonna give up, I'm gonna keep persevering and I'll make it happen. That was on a Monday. Tuesday, he comes back in the office and he sits down with me. He said, um, he said remember Pastor Danny said when you told me how you felt faithless because I felt so faithless for doubting God. I felt so faithless for, 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 for even thinking about wanting to quit. I felt so, just so faithless, like I'm done with this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just finished. I, just, I felt so faithless, which made me panic even more for feeling faithless. I didn't have enough faith. He said, remember, Pastor Dan, when you read Hebrews chapter 12 and all those great cloud of witnesses that you talked about when you read that, they ran their race? I said, yeah. He stood up on his feet and he looked at me and started going, and at first I thought, what is he doing? Like, is this how counseling works? Like, I didn't know, like, what is this? This is pretty expensive for you to stand up and just clap for me. Like, and just about 10 seconds into it, it hit me. I knew what he was doing. He said, you want me to tell you what those crowd of witnesses were doing that we read about that surrounds us, that's gone ahead of us? He said, they were standing up going, cheering you on, cheering you on. He said, Daniel, when you thought you were faithless, that's when you had the most faith of your life. Faithless people quit. Faithless people give up. But faithful people keep preaching. They keep reading. They keep singing. They keep praying, even when they don't feel it. I got holy goosebumps right now. Even when they don't feel it, they keep doing it. That's faith. In fact, you thought you were faithless, but that's when you were the most faithful you've ever been in your entire life. There's gonna come times in your life you wanna quit. You're gonna to wanna to quit on your relationships, you wanna quit on your spouse, you wanna quit on your job, you wanna quit on life, you wanna quit on the people around you, you wanna quit on the world. You say, I'm done, I just wanna quit. And you're gonna say, I'm gonna quit on God because life is too tough and heartaches too, too difficult to work through and God, if you were really there, then why do I suffer and why do I go through pain and why does people talk about me and why do I walk through all this stuff and you just wanna quit. But I'm here to tell you, keep running the race. Keep removing distractions from your life, get rid of the sin that holds you back. 
and you run with perseverance. Even when you wanna stop, you keep going. Even when you don't feel like it, you keep going. Even like, God, do you even listen to me? You keep praying, you keep reading, you keep attending, you keep fellowshipping, you keep serving, even when you don't sense him. Because it's in that moment God is building your faith greater and greater and greater to do great things. And that's why he says, therefore, all these men and women of God who blew it and how God used them greatly. Why? Because they did not quit. They did not give up. And I love, I'm so thankful that the author of Hebrew put this at the end of this verse. He says that God has set before us. Run the race. Your translation may say, run the race that God has marked out for you. Your translation may say, run the race, that, the lane that God has put before you. You know what the problem is with most people? is that we look at everybody else's lane. We wish we were running in their lane. Well, God, if I just had that husband and I ran in that lane, God, if you gave me that, if I just had that job, if I just had that money, if I just had that degree, if I was just like them. And we sit here all day, and social media kind of hurts this even more. We look at everybody else's lane wishing we were in that lane. If I just had that, if I could just do that, if I just had enough of this. And the reality is God says, no, I've marked out a lane for you. If you'll just run your race, don't worry, but you can't even run in their race. Just run your race. Run in your lane. I know that chick's gonna be faster than you. Yeah, I know, I understand that. She did, she blew it. But listen, you run your race. You stay in your lane. Even Peter, John chapter 21, Jesus says, Peter, here's how you're gonna die, bro. Gonna go tell you, here's how you're gonna die. And you know what Peter says? Well, what about his lane? What about his race? What about John over here? And you know what Jesus says? <laughs> Don't worry about him. Here's what's gonna happen in your life. Here's what you need to focus on. And I'm here to tell you what, quit worrying about everybody else's lane. Quit trying to be in everybody else's lane. You got enough on your own plate. You got enough to stay, get rid of the distraction, get rid of the sin, and run with your endurance and in your lane. How did this happen? How could this even work? And I love it, here it is, here it is. Here's the secret sauce. Here's this. You want the secret sauce? Here it is, right here it is, verse two. How do we do this? How do I lay around the distract, lay off the distractions? How do I cut the sin away that keeps you know, me back? And how do I just keep running even when I feel faithless, but I'm gonna keep persevering? He says it in verse two. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's the champion. He's finished the race. He's the author. He's the perfecter. He initiated it. Because of the joy awaiting for him, he saw past the pain, the joy, can you believe, the joy that awaited for him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne, and watch this, verse three. Think of all the hostility he endured from all the sinful people when you struggle. Watch this, then you won't give up. You won't become weary. You'll keep running your race. Here's the fourth and final point. How do I do this? You keep your eyes on Jesus. And the reason why most of us, watch this, are distracted is because our eyes are not on Jesus. Distracted by good things, like they're not bad things. Extracurricular activities, they're not bad things. Traveling, that's not bad things. Like doing, that's, none of that is bad things. But if those things are keeping me from keeping my eyes on Jesus, the author of Hebrews says, lay it aside. How do I get rid of that sin? You know what I'm talking about. The one I just mentioned, like, oh gosh, yes, I know that one, yes, that one. How do I get rid of that one? Watch this, you need to keep your eyes 
on Jesus. Man, but I want to quit. I just want to quit. I want to throw the towel in. I'm done. How do I do that? You keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, how does that work practically, tangibly? How does that work? That means that everything I do in every part of my life, I'm going to invite Jesus in on it. Now, watch this. Jesus, is this the person you want me to date? I want to keep my eyes on you. Is this the person you want me to marry and spend the rest of my life with? Is this the college you want me to go to? Just because you got a four-ride scholarship to that college doesn't mean that's the one God wants you to go to. Just because your parents says they'll pay for this school if you go to this school does not mean the one God. God, Jesus, I want you. Jesus, is this the job you want me to have? Jesus, is this the investments you want me to make? Jesus, is this the vehicle you want me to buy? Jesus, is this the house you want us to live in? Like, Jesus, I want to keep my eyes on you so that everything, I don't get distracted from the world. I'm inviting you to be in every area of my life. Jesus, will you help me raise my children? Jesus, would you help me see what's best for them? Jesus, would you help me love my wife the way that she needs to be loved? Jesus, would you help me love my husband the way that he needs to be loved? Jesus, was this what you want me to do in my business, in my organization? Is this how you want me to leave it? Uh, 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 walk it out? Is this how you want me to lead this organization? God, Jesus, I want what you want. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. And when you invite him into every area and every specific thing in your life, it doesn't matter how small it is or how grand. We only bring Jesus in when there's like a really big problem, a blowout. That's when we bring Jesus in. And now we say, okay, God, what do you want to do? <laughs> but if we'll get to the point every day of our life, we get up. And if he wakes us up and say, Jesus, I want to invite you into this day. Listen, you are my king. You are my master. I'm gonna do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I invite whoever you want me to invite. I'll give whoever you want me to give. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And you invite Jesus into those areas. Jesus, is this what you want me to do with my money? Is this how you want me to live with it? Is this how you want me to spend it? Is this the organizations you want me to invest in? Is this the people you want me to bless? I wanna do what you want me to do. You invite him in on that every single little big decision. And what that does, watch this, it keeps you grounded that you want what Jesus wants. He says, keep your eyes on me. And when the little things come up, guess what? We won't be so much distracted by it. Because Jesus says, no, this is what I want for you. And now we just have the faith to walk that out. And so my prayer for you today is that that's what you would do. Exactly what Paul wrote to young Pastor Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter four, Paul writes this. He says, Timothy, guess what, bro? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained, watch this, faithful. Amen. He said I didn't remain sinless. He said I didn't remain, I made mistakes. I have remained faithful. Faithful. And now the prize awaits for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on the day when he returns. And watch this. You're like, well, man, you know, Paul gets this prize. And if you're going to run the race, what prize do you get? I love this. Look what it says in the rest of the verse. And the prize is not just for me, but every single person who eagerly awaits, the, looks forward to the return of his appearing or when Jesus comes back. Here's a question. When's the last time you just longed for the appearing of Jesus to return? For most of us, we don't think about that because we're distracted. But the Bible says that when we keep our eyes on him and along and, 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 and 
and want his return and can't wait to see him face to face. Not that we want to die, I'm not saying, but we want to see our Savior face to face. He says, for that passion, for that heartbeat, for that eyes on me, you will, re- you will be rewarded. Any of us. And so my prayer for you today is that you will begin to get rid of any distraction, make a stop to-do list, stop to-do. We're gonna stop that, stop that. It's not bad, it's not a sin, it's not bad stuff. It's probably not the best stuff, it's just gonna stop that. And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out how to get rid of the sin. I'm gonna put an accountability group around me, I'm gonna get to my closest friends, the people who love me, love Jesus, love the church, and I trust them, and I'm gonna say, hey, here's an issue in my life, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nip it in the bud. We're gonna fix this, I need you to help me. That's what the family does. I don't want to be tripped up anymore by it. And then I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to persevere. And here it is. By just keeping my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads. A couple of invitations real quick. Go home. Do a stop to-do list. No more distractions. If you're married, sit down with your spouse, talk that out. What's keeping us from being everything God wants us to be? Fellowshipping with the family, reading our Bibles, getting in God's Word. What is it? And then you don't have to, the Holy Spirit's already showed you. What is the sin? Like you probably didn't have to think long about that. It's, you know what that is. Ask the Lord to show you how to bring the people around your life to help you to get past that sin that keeps tripping you up. That's not a salvation issue. It's the one that keeps tripping you up. And you need help. Swallow your pride. If people who love you and care you, doesn't matter what, they, what you tell them, that it doesn't matter. Open up and say, this is my struggle. I need help. Let's do this together. Let's go. And if you feel like you want to quit, the Lord brought you here today for me to tell you, don't you quit. Don't you quit. Don't give up. You keep running. But I just don't know if God, you, I don't sense it. You keep going. But I don't hear him. You keep going. I just don't feel his nearness. You keep going. I just want to, don't, don't you stop. Because in the, most, in the midst of the silence is where God is building your faith. And you have greater faith by keep on going than quitting. Keep going. And lastly, if you're at any of our locations and you don't know Jesus, and I'm not talking about not know him, of him. I'm talking about you haven't just yielded and, re, and yielded your life to King Jesus and received his love and his grace and his mercy. He has marked a path out for you. He's got a plan for you. He wants to spend eternity with you. Why would you neglect such a great salvation? Right where you said, the Bible says, if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right where you say, you can cry out to him and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, I repent of my sin and I give my life to you. Now help me follow you all the days of my life. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, no matter what you've done in your past, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've said, try, you will be saved. And if that is you, the campus pastor or your host is gonna come out just in a moment and they're gonna share with your next steps. 
how we can celebrate that with you. We want to know so we can celebrate, pray for you, and then put some resources in your hands to help you take your next steps in following Jesus. Because it's a journey, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And we're gonna run this together. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus who never quit on us. Scorn endured the cross and all the sinful people. He saw the joy set before him and he did it for me. And he did it for all of us. And I just pray that we never get over and take our eyes off of him who's the author, the perfecter, the initiator of our faith. For it's in his name we ask and we pray, amen.